0: Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson. And from time to time, things don't work out the way that people expect. And sometimes that has to do with money. And in those instances, you usually need somebody who knows how to track money. That kind of person is Tracy Conan, who is with me today. Thank you, Tracy.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Brent. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm really glad that we're able to have this conversation. It's actually a weird one because I think it's um it's something where people don't want to think about it, but almost everybody understands the context or has experienced some piece of it, whether it was investigated or not, like they sort of experience, they've experienced some amount of shenanigans going on financially. So everybody has, there's a little flavor for it.
1: Right. I, yeah, everyone can, can relate to fraud in some context. Uh, what's interesting about my job as a forensic accountant is that I am working with clients at some of the lowest points of their lives. So for example, you know, about uh, a third of my caseload is divorce related work, which is probably one of the most traumatic people, things that people go through. Um, And the rest of my work is, you know, corporate fraud investigations and um, litigation working with attorneys on behalf of their clients who are involved in um, disputes, maybe uh, you know with another company over a contract and somebody lost money and I come in and calculate damages and testify as an expert. Um, but all of those situations are are usually pretty traumatic and and pretty disheartening to people you know if they've been the victim of fraud or if they've had a you know a business deal that's gone really bad and now all of a sudden there's a lot of money that's lost or if they're getting divorced um very upsetting and so um it's it's funny sometimes to say that i find my job very fulfilling but it's because i am <laughs> helping these people and supporting them at those difficult times
0: yeah you're part of the solution you didn't create the problem so i guess you right. you know you don't have to share in the distress of the problem
1: right right
0: well to to, to pause there just for uh, one second here i guess for people who don't know who you are you want to at least give us some of your background you mentioned you're a forensic accountant but you know, how'd you get there? Where'd you come from? What sorts sure. of things do you do day to day?
1: Sure. So I've been a forensic accountant for about 25 years now. Um, my background is that I, I went to school to get a criminology degree because I wanted to be a prison warden someday. And that was truly my, my career goal as I was going into college. And then I took a class called financial crime investigation, thought that was really interesting, took some accounting classes and said, yep, I think I'd be pretty good at this. And that was sort of, the rest, you know, the rest of my life was unfolding right yeah. there. Um, and so I, uh, I got my criminology degree and then I got an MBA on top of that and I used all my electives to take accounting classes so that I would meet the requirements to sit for the CPA exam. I went to work for Arthur Anderson doing traditional audits of financial statements. I did the tax rotation while I was there. I did, um, A whole bunch of different projects while I was there because I wanted to just get as much experience as I could. And then I went on to specialize in forensic accounting. So I've had my own firm now. I've worked solo for almost 23 years. Um, So I don't have employees. I do have some folks uh, that I contract with uh, for assistance on some cases from time to time. But for the most part, I do it myself. I work on um, situations that are typically more complicated. Um, So, you know, I, I say to the attorneys, I typically work with attorneys, you know, I say, you know, when you want to know exactly who's doing the work, when you want the expert doing your project and knowing those numbers inside and out before we get to court to testify, I'm your person. And what might be of interest to some of your audience is I bill a little bit differently. I do only fixed fees in my practice, and I've been doing that since I started, and it's worked out fantastically for myself and for my clients.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a very interesting topic. We could uh, we could spend a lot of time discussing um, well, let's let's discuss a little bit then some of the, say, uh, pressure points that arise in a forensic audit in a divorce context. Um, interestingly, although I kind of think of you know people think or I guess a lot of people think of divorces like this, you know, it's two two individuals sort of clearly not getting along, probably butting heads if they need you involved and that that could be very emotional. I mean, I think the business divorces are also very emotional. So I think if somebody is thinking like one is an emotional situation and the other maybe is not, that's I don't think that's true at all. So you're in the middle of that.
1: I am in the middle of that. And when I was early in my practice, I didn't do divorce work because I didn't want to be involved in a super emotionally charged situation. And then um, I ended up getting a case. um you know, after I'd been in business for about five years or so, I ended up getting a divorce case that came to me, a referral from uh, someone I I liked and respected a lot. And I've, I sort of felt a responsibility to take on the case because of this referral. And it was actually a really great divorce case. It was complicated. And I came out of it, um, you know, with that rewarding feeling of having helped my client. And I thought, you know what, I actually did a really good job of dealing with those emotional issues. And I think I could do a lot of great work in divorce. And so, So at that point, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do more of this. Um, But what I do in divorces is very much centered around tracing money. So typically Mm -hmm. what's going on is someone suspects that there is hidden money of some sort, or improper spending. Um, The divorce cases I work on are typically for high net worth individuals, high earning individuals. Um, And so there might be a situation where there's uh, an affair that's going on that's very expensive, or maybe, you know, hidden uh, bank accounts, investment accounts, things like that. Um, Or, you know, someone who is just actively trying to hide money and, you know, Salt money away so that when the divorce happens, you know they can deprive their spouse of some of that money. So a lot of tracing of money, detailed looking at transactions to figure out where that money went.
0: Fun. <laughs> so it's fun for me. Yeah, find it, finding finding uh, Easter eggs almost.
1: It is. It does feel like that. You know, it's finding that needle in the haystack. So when when I'm uh, being introduced to someone and they say, "What do you do?" I say, "I'm a forensic accountant and I find money." And so that's my job is to find money for people. And I uh, you know, have had kind of an interesting journey with these cases. You know, I've I've done, you know, my my biggest case was a billionaire uh, whose divorce I worked on. Uh, super interesting to see how billionaires spend their money. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, But what I found in doing this work is that there is this, you know, there's a whole bunch of people getting divorced who can't afford forensic accountants. You know, I I pulled a number out of the air, but I'm I'm thinking like 95% of people who are getting divorced can't afford my services. They can't just plunk down $10,000, $15,000 for me to do my thing. So after, you know, turning away people who would call me who just couldn't afford it, or maybe it didn't make sense because they didn't have enough money on the line, uh, I said, you know, there's got to be an option for these folks. There's never been an option for them. Couldn't? Why couldn't someone make an option? Why couldn't that someone be me? So I came up with the concept for the Divorce Money Guide, which is an opportunity to show people how to do-it-yourself forensic accounting with some guidance from me via videos and written materials and worksheets and things like that. So I kind of walked them through, hey, if you're the average Joe and you're getting divorced, what do you need on the financial side? What documents do you get? How do you get them? How do you organize them? And what do you look for in them if you're worried that something is happening with the money?
0: Yeah, well, that's really good. And there's um, I I don't I can't remember what the statistics are. So somebody listening, I'm sure, knows. um, But you always hear, at least in the attorney ranks, the statistics on gaps in what they refer to as access to justice, which is basically being able to be represented by counsel in cases. And very high on the list of where it is the most lacking is almost always domestic cases, divorces, for example. And there's just an enormous amount of people who go in unrepresented in those cases. So not only can they not afford somebody like you, they're also not spending their money to hire a lawyer and for them to be able to at least have something to guide them in that process is always, I can tell you on the legal side is a, is a topic of a lot of conversation and without really great solutions. And then of course, yeah, on the, on the financial side, there's an equal level of gap in availability of resources for people. I think that's really great that you're doing that.
1: Sure. You know, there's, you know, there's groups on Facebook and various social media where, people are, you know, kind of support groups, right? Mm, so for mm-hmm. people going through divorce and and the topic is coming up all the time about legal fees and how much it's going to cost and I can't afford an attorney and things like that, you know, and I, I see people talking with each other and saying, you know, I gave my attorney the $5,000 retainer and it was gone within a month or two. And, and I thought that was going to take me all the way through the end of my divorce. And so um, it's, it's so expensive when you think of the average person you know who's not making a ton of money for them to plunk down five or ten thousand dollars with an attorney and think that's going to take them all the way through the end of their divorce and then find out it doesn't what do they do it is it it, it is a little demoralizing when you think about it in those terms
0: yeah 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 that's very true five thousand dollars is doesn't go very far um, with lawyers in private practice. How did you, I mean, I know we're talking about sort of this gap in the market, but was that primarily what you were looking at when you were coming up with the guide where you saw that need and thought, you know, I can feel that need. I've, I have the ability to do it.
1: It is, it was truly about, The number of people that I could help with a product like this. So Mm there is on average probably about 700,000 divorces filed every year in the United States. And that's an awful lot of people who don't have access to forensic accountants due to circumstance. And I said, okay, so I'm not going to turn these folks into forensic accountants. Right. I do something very specialized. But gosh, you know, for the average case, if there is hidden money, it's not going to be that difficult to find. It's going to be a matter of someone started taking $500 withdrawals from the ATM every other day, right? Or it's going to be something like uh, someone took the credit card and went and uh, was spending money on hotels and dinners out with an affair partner. Um, For for most of the divorces, it's probably not going to be a terribly complicated fraud scheme that someone's engaging in. So it's just a matter of being able to show them where to look and what to look for so i said okay i can do this there's got to be a way to put something together to kind of walk people through this process so what i came up with was a 10-step process but i intentionally made it such that a person doesn't have to do all 10 steps they don't even have to do them in order now of course i mean you have to get the documents before you can look at them so i guess that sure. has to be done sure. in order but but like I, I tell people you know if um if your concern has to do with what's been reported on the tax returns, you know, you've got a circumstance where you're like, hey, my husband was in charge of the taxes, but he always used to brag that he was cheating on him. And I'm worried about what's in those tax returns. And I got to got to start to understand them. You could just skip right to the tax return step and do that without worrying about the other steps. So, right. I wanted to make it 10 steps. I wanted to make it easy. I wanted to make those steps not be dependent on one another so someone could kind of pick and choose what they want to do. And I said, okay, how am I going to deliver this to people? Well, some people like to read. Some people would prefer to watch a video. Some people want interactive where they're like filling out a worksheet or something like that. Why don't I put all three of those pieces in this product? So that's what I did. And and again, I was focused on just really creating something that was usable and would help people. And then I kind of saw a business opportunity there. I was like, well, actually, I I, I could probably make some money selling it. Right. Because mm-hmm. can't wasn't I wasn't going to do a free product because I knew how much work was going to go into it and how much cost kind of building it out if I wanted to do it right with professional videos and things like that. Um, but So I started to see a business opportunity there. And then it kind of grew a little bit because I said, well, okay, this is the divorce money guide, but what if we could reverse engineer this and help protect people before they get divorced or before they get married and show Mm -hmm. them how to set up their finances and what to keep an eye on and what to look out for during their marriage uh, that might be warning signs that something is going wrong. So then I'm like, you know what, this could actually be like a a full-blown business creating money guides. So I've got the post-divorce money guide coming out next month, uh, coming out in October. And then I've got the marriage money guide coming out in November.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Were you working on both? I mean, it sounds like you came up with the marriage money guide after you were already working on the divorce guide. But then once you had both ideas, you've been working on them in tandem. It sounds like
1: so i developed the divorce money guide first and brought that to market first released it in uh towards the end of june before i started working on the other two money guides because I, I felt like i needed to have one completed product out there and i didn't want to lose focus so what i found in researching like how do you put a product like this together and in talking to a bunch of different people i found out that where everyone gets stuck is they never complete that first product they might get eighty percent of the way there and they can't bring it over the finish line. So everyone was telling me just release a product. it doesn't have to be the perfect product. it has to be a good enough product. Now fortunately, I released a product that I think is pretty darn good uh, but I, I really took that advice to heart and said, I'm gonna get a product out first and then all these other ideas you know i'm I'm thinking about the ideas of you know doing like an estate money guide, right mm-hmm. uh, or a retirement money guide or a Sending your kid to college money guide. Like, like using my fraud investigation expertise to show people how they can protect their money, protect themselves from scams or being stolen from, things like that. And so I've got a whole bunch of ideas for potential future money guides.
0: I love it. Yeah, I love that. It's fantastic. Because you're right. I mean, you you listed off your your educational bona fides, but there is um there is a lot of knowledge that you gain. I'm using the you in the sort of general sense here. One gains in getting involved and getting very deep in the weeds on seeing how different types of people of different uh, wealth levels handle their money and the different ways that it is done in different ways that it is done poorly in ways that it is done yes. correctly. Uh, Well, maybe correctly is the wrong word, but uh, more wisely, I should say, if your goal is longevity. Um, There are a lot of ways to to get rid of money. Uh, I think those are pretty well known, but there's there's it's a little bit harder to keep money once you have it. And, you know, you've got all these all this experience looking at how money is structured and used. I think it's great. You're you're taking that and creating something that you can uh, you can share to the world without having to be hired as a forensic accountant.
1: Right. Well, and I think I've got a knack for being able to take what I know and distill it down to something that the average person can understand and then give them the action, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not just sitting there blathering to them about the theory behind fraud and and how it happens, whatever. I'm saying, you know, do this, then this, and you'll find this. And if you find that, here's your next step. So, we released the product, the divorce money guide. Everyone's all happy. People are buying and saying, Oh my God, this is great. It, it is so easy, right? So, gosh, I was, you know, I had some beta testers uh, before uh-huh. we released it who said, This is super simple and this actually works. I had um, a couple of folks who are going through the process of the divorce do it themselves. I had some divorce attorneys do it. I had some divorce coaches do it. And so everyone was all excited that this actually works and uh, is, is a viable thing that, that average people can do. But then the questions started coming like, hey, but what about when people do need some extra help? Like, Is there a way to do that? And so I said, there should be a way, shouldn't there? How about online group coaching where we get together once a week in a private group for those who have signed up for it. We go through some material from the Divorce Money Guide where I can show them even more of the how, like here's how. here's what you look for on the tax return. Look at this line. And if you see this, then you do this. And then give them an opportunity to ask me questions about their divorce, about the divorce process, anything they want to, in that financial context of divorce, so that they can get a, you know, some get their questions answered. So that's what we're doing.
0: Interesting. Look at you. I tell you what, Tracy. You you sort of set this up as uh, you you work for yourself. Yours. I can't remember if you said solopreneur or not, but I would say you are a uh, purebred entrepreneur. Very much so. Yeah. And I mean that as a compliment.
1: Thank you. It fuels me. I love it. I love coming up with the ideas and executing on them. Um, But ultimately, it still all comes back to how many people can I help? Because I feel like if you you do good and you help people, you will be successful business-wise automatically.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And you'll be happy. I mean, if it's something that you enjoy, if you don't like helping people in that way, obviously, that's not the thing. But if it's something that you enjoy, and you can help people do it, uh, you'll also be happy doing it. And I think that's excellent. There was, well, you kind of mentioned a bit of the, we'll say 10 steps uh, in the guide for, you know, let's take a couple of these, of these broader items maybe highlight for people some big picture things to look at we talked about the credit card statements or, or bank statements see if they were like you know monthly withdrawals or weekly withdrawals that were out of the ordinary or all of a sudden there are hotel rooms and things showing up on on the statements what, what other big ticket items do you tend to see in in your line of work that you know are those are red flags that somebody needs to pay attention to
1: well i, I do some really simple things like count up the number of paychecks that are deposited to the bank account and mm-hmm. and verify the amounts of the paychecks right P- most people have a pretty predictable uh, amount that they get paid or a lot of people do and so and that's something really simple that I can teach people how to do you don't have to be an accountant to go through a year's worth of bank statements and count up how many deposits there were right mm-hmm. um so so that's super super easy we do have spent some time too talking about the red flags of fraud so what are some of those warning signs that something may be going wrong? Because what I see is people in the process of divorce. Um, they don't trust themselves. Right. They think, well, my spouse might be hiding money, but am I just being paranoid because I'm I hate him now? Or or is this really a sign that I should be concerned about? And especially if they're in a situation where they said to their spouse, hey, what's been going on with the money? I'm worried that something's going on with the money. And their spouse says, oh, you're making things up. You just you know, you just want to nail me on something. So I put together an assessment for people to take, answer about 15 questions about how the money is handled in your household, uh, about things that you might have seen, like my spouse has become more secretive about the money. Uh, I once discovered a bank account that I had no idea we had. Um, I found some improper spending that was concealed, you know, things like that. So they answer these questions and at the end they sort of, they get a result back that says how likely it is that something hmm. is wrong, Right. Mm-hmm. Cause there, are, and, and, and I ask about some warning signs that are, are really kind of minor that, that people will see, right. And those of course give less weight. And if they answer yes to those, it's kind of like, well, not a big deal. But then there's the ones that I know are the big ones. Like, uh, is your spouse having an affair, right? There's probably money that's gone that you need to know about. And so, so I wanted to give people a more objective way, um, uh, to view whatever it was they're seeing so they can, you know, kind of kind of get a gauge on whether they're they're being paranoid or not
0: yeah yeah what about uh tax returns what sort of big ticket items do you try to help people decipher from tax returns because that I i know most people they get confronted with the tax return you might as well have showed them the black death because they want nothing to do with it
1: right right um What I spend a lot of time on with the tax returns with the average person is showing them where to look on that tax return to see if there are bank accounts or investment accounts that they didn't know about before. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at that Schedule B, which has dividends and interests on it. Look at the banks that are listed there. See if you knew about those. And if you didn't, we got to talk to your attorney. So there can be a subpoena. Um, One of the things that we look for in the tax returns that a lot of people don't think about is looking for distributions from retirement accounts, especially if you're not retirement age. Because what I see far too often in cases is, you know, we're getting divorced and a wife says, well, you know, I I know that we've got a retirement account. It probably has about $500,000 in it. And so I'll probably end up getting half of that. And all of a sudden we get to divorce court only to find out that that account was cashed out a couple of years ago and there's no money left in it. And so I'm showing them where in the tax return to look for those distributions so that they can know that they need to dig into that and find out what happened.
0: Yeah. Those are really good items. And I think that's great. You mentioned Schedule B. You know, it's good. People don't know. People have no idea where to look because you look on the first page of the tax return. Everything's all kind of gobbledygook and it's all mixed together. Yep. They don't know where the particulars are. They maybe have never even looked at a Schedule B to know that it exists, let alone right. what's on it.
1: Well, we just did this topic last night in our weekly group coaching where I was walking them through the tax return. I said, you know, Okay, don't get don't get scared. These forms are ugly. But if I can show you exactly which line to look on and what that might tell you or what questions you need to ask next, we can make it really simple.
0: Yeah, very good. And. I think you're right. I think that's what people need. If they're taking matters into their own hand, they need simple as, you know, maybe simple is not exactly the right word, but they need actionable items that they can do and understand. And telling somebody, look on Schedule B, it will list out all of the banks by name. And if it's done right, probably account number, at least some identification of the account and how much interest was paid on that account. It'll be on there if it was done correctly. Yes. But yeah, people don't know. They don't know that's where you go. Or do you go to schedule D to see, you know, your gains and losses or, you know, your schedule C for your businesses and so right. proprietorships? People just don't. They have no idea. And I don't fault people for that. But
1: no, the, the forms are intimidating. The process is intimidating. But if you're getting divorced, I tell them that this is the time where you want to try to understand as much as you can. And exactly. if you're going through the divorce money guide and you still don't feel confident in what you're doing and what you're looking at try to find a friend or a family member who you trust and and i know it can be embarrassing sometimes to have someone else look at your financial situation but if there is someone you trust who is a little better with numbers see if they wouldn't help you look at some of this stuff and 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 help you decipher it a little bit because this is a really really important time to understand as much as you can.
0: Yeah, and and to understand the amount that you need to know, right? Like somebody doesn't have to become a, an expert in filling out tax returns, but they need to know right. enough to be able to pull out the relevant information so they can use it because they're gonna need that information to be either adequately representing themselves or adequately represented uh, in a case, particularly a divorce case. There's, um, there's another element to uh, uh, divorce cases, I'm curious about that. It it's related to what you do. I don't know if it's exactly what you do, but that has to do with the valuation of assets. Because then typically you're going to have some division of assets. They're not. It's not all cash accounts. How do you work through the valuations? It and are you involved in sort of evaluating, for example, the other side's valuation reports to see if they actually track?
1: So you actually brought up the one area of divorce that I do nothing with. I don't do anything with business valuations. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can read a business valuation report. I can tell you, um, you know, where I think there might be some holes in it and things like that. What I typically do uh, that relates to the business valuation is when I have got uh, someone who's getting divorced, and they say the financial statements of my spouse's business are not correct because those financial statements maybe include all sorts of personal expenses that are, you know, disguised mm-hmm. as business expenses. And so the mm-hmm. business makes a lot more money than is reported on the financial statements. So there are times where I get hired to come in. And to evaluate the finances of the business and basically restate those financial statements, pulling out all of those personal items or anything improper that we can, you know, prove um, to restate those so that someone doing a business valuation would have the correct numbers to go forward with.
0: Yeah, perfect. No, that's that's the that's actually the response I was expecting. But for people to understand. That in a complex situation, they're, they're, you're actually hiring, in essence, a team of experts that are then going to be working together because the, you know, the, the valuation piece, the sort of appraisal piece, it's its own niche with its own nuances. The forensic accounting piece, it's its own niche with its own with its own nuances. Yeah, they are related to your, you know, to your point, the the financial statements may not be quite right. And that's a forensic accounting exercise typically, but they really are two different spheres. You have to have the two of them together in order to get a real full picture of a complex divorce situation. Maybe not your typical divorce.
1: Agreed. Very important.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. Tracy, I, uh, I could chat with you about this for hours and hours, but I, I was know- going to
1: say we could go for another hour if you like. But I think <laughs> listeners are probably hitting a wall. We we got to the talk about taxes and they probably said, uh eh.
0: forget it. Yeah, yeah forget it. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. Actually, I start talking about taxes, regardless of whether it's clients, friends or family. And that's when I could see everybody shutting down. So it's I'm used to it. It's well, fine. you know,
1: my goal in talking about the taxes is to demonstrate to people that it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. True. So so I feel like the more I talk about it, the more I'm proving my point that it's understandable by average people. Mm-hmm.
0: We're we're normalizing it. That's the term.
1: There you go. The, that's the, the term we're supposed to say, right? Yes.
0: Normalizing. I hate yeah. that word, by the way. I Same. I'm, now I'm gonna get now all my friends are gonna ping me about that, but I, I can't stand that term. Um okay. This is one of the many things that are difficult being a lawyer you hear something you're like wait a second yeah what what is that supposed to mean tracy if people are trying to connect with you what is the easiest way for them to do that
1: so they can find me at my website fraudcoach.com if they're interested in the divorce money guide they can go to divorcemoneyguide.com and i can be found on instagram at divorce money guide
0: perfect And we'll include links as well in the show notes so people fishing around, they can find it there. Uh, Tracy, I'm so glad that we got to do this. Thank you very, very much. Me too.
1: Thank you for having me. It was great fun.
0: Hey, listeners, thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at Wealth and Law. I'll see you there.